Hello, this is a prepaid call from Joe. Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And today we're going to be talking about how incarceration affects the family. And before I get started, I want to introduce you to my family that's on the line. And I have my uncle, John Baker, uh, my sister, Chantel, and my son, Boo, well, Joe, but y'all know him as Boo. Welcome y'all to the show. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Let me just put my opening statement down first before we get to the questions, okay? When a family member is arrested and subsequently sent to jail, uh, it affects the family in ways that most people don't realize or even discuss. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want you uh, to dig deep, open up about what it is that uh, and how it made you feel when I came to prison and, and, and during this whole time that I've been in prison, I want you to, if you feel comfortable, share with the audience about, you know, how it really made you feel. You know, don't worry about hurting my feelings. I got tough skin. So <laughs> here we go. This question is going to be for all of y'all. And before you answer the question, uh, I want you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then proceed with answering the question. And the first question that I got for you is describe what your relationship was like with me before I was incarcerated. As for you, um, you go first. Okay, my name is John F. Baker Jr. I'm an author, uh, historian, genealogist, and uh, I sell life insurance for a living. Um, Joe and I have always been very close. I've been close to uh, most of my nieces and nephews as, as they were growing up. And uh, by Joe and uh, his sister Chantel and brother Stephen losing their mother at an early age, I always tried to be present uh, with them to make things as normal as possible under the circumstances, and I spent a lot of time uh, with, with all three of them uh, growing up. And though I'm not really that much older than they are, I've been sort of authoritative, so I sort of took a, a fatherly slash uncle role with them. And one thing I was very disappointed when this happened uh, because I felt that I had failed in some way because I always told my nephews, especially growing up, don't make the mistakes that some of our relatives in the past have made and you don't want to be incarcerated and I try to take up time with them, try to be an, a good example for them. So I felt let down in one sense and then in another sense I was thinking well, maybe I, it's more that I could have done. Okay, Chantel. I'm Chantel, Joe's baby sister. Uh, I'm a single mother of two children, a daughter and a son. Uh, for my professionalism, I am a clinical mental health um, therapist. Growing up, my brother and I, we were really close. It was just the three of us. And, you know, I've always been um, the baby sister, but the big sister because I was really um, bossy and, and just felt like it was my job to boss both of my brothers around. So, you know, growing up, you know, Joe and I... <laughs> Joe and I were, you know, we're very close, you know, he was my, and he still is, you know, he's my best friend, so, you know, I depended on him a lot, not just, as, you know, he was, you know, an emotional support to me, you know, he was that big brother, there was nothing that I couldn't go to him and talk to him about, and, you know, he's just always been there to give me advice, and so, of course, when this happened, I was, you know, very disappointed, but more so hurt than anything, because, already experiencing a lot of abandonment you know our mother died when we were four dad was locked up for the majority of our lives and then again here I was experiencing 
you know, my brother facing a lot of time going away. So that had a very big negative impact um, on my life. Okay, boo. Well, for me, well, everybody kind of already, I think for me, with me, so I'm going to try to save us some time. But uh, with me, it, I was too young to understand the effects that it had on me until I got older and, and realizing um, how important it was to have a father figure in my life. And uh, so by the time I was able to understand, yes, of course, I can't, I started lashing out because as I've said in previous interviews we've done before, I started realizing my friends who had dads and uh, being picked up from school or being in basketball games and people's dads was there. By the, t- by the time I started realizing that, you know, of course it had that, a negative effect on me. And then not only that, my mom was single parent mom after a couple of years with the guy that she was dating by the time she had moved left him you know it was it was just us so of course i could see the impact it had on you know her trying to figure out i guess you know how to take care of us and make sure everything else was okay was at home okay everything was okay as far as under that roof but uh i probably was I say probably about around your granddaddy died. That probably when it when it started standing out to me more. So I might have been 13 or 14 before I even realized, you know, that it, it had an impact on me, which was negative, which was negative. And I'm gonna say this before it was it was more so on the negative end because uh, a lot of the picture that was painted to me as far as outside people, other than my uncle Squeaker and auntie that's on here the good stuff that i was told about my daddy the other people you know what i'm saying gave me a perception that i kind of took on as who i thought he was which was negative as well so right okay okay and this next question is for my uncle john and Chantel. okay describe how it affected you when you heard about my arrest okay um I remember uh, <clears throat> Mama telling uh, my mother telling me about it when it first happened, and I was just in disbelief. I, I just couldn't believe it. And knowing uh, Joe's character, he was always fun-loving, joking, and, and you know everybody was crazy about him in the family. And it was just hard to believe that it was even real. So, yeah, I was in total shock. It was it was totally shocking. It was a hard thing to really wrap your head around that it was it, it made me question if I really knew who you were. Like this this cannot possibly be my brother. Um because I thought about the victims, you know, the family of the victims and I was like, there's no way that he could impose any of this on another family knowing how we were impacted by not having family members, you know, moms and dads in our lives. And so I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Right, right. I understand that. I understand that, too. Uh, Ooh, this question is for you. How did my absence affect you, your brother, and your mother? And when you got old enough to understand, describe how that affected the household. Being being raised solely, I think, by a woman, you know what I'm saying? I, I believe a woman can only do so much for a young man or a boy, you know what I'm saying? I think, you know what I'm saying, the negative 
the how that affected was I didn't have that authoritative figure. You know, Uncle Sweeper did what he could, and 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 other men that that, that had a decent mindset probably did what they could. But to actually have the voice of my of my biological father, you know, what I'm saying I could tell, you know, what I'm saying it had it had an it had an impact on me, which showed by the time we got to prison, I still yearned that after even at the age 24, 25 years old of being in the cell with you, I was still trying to heed and get that that guidance and that and that wisdom and that instruction and that that chastisement and that love from you, even still being older. So I think it affected me as you know just not having that that piece of that piece of me that I that I didn't understand. You know, I had my mama and I could kind of watch her and know what where this come from and where that come from and all of this other energy and, and this other mindset that I have, you know, that, that piece of me is gone. And nobody can I don't feel nobody can give that to a child except uh <laughs> the person that it come from. So by this time I feel I'm feeling kind of lost about who I am because the person who that lost part is connected to is not there to help guide and show me who I am. Like by the time I got in the cell with you and seeing that you were an author and seeing how intelligent you were, and then I was able to connect the pieces and say, that's where they come from and use it in a positive way versus in the negative way about the little things that people said. I was trying to find that part of me. And I think, you know, that's, a, that's how I think of it. That's how I know it affected me. Right. So can you give? So you think that affected your brother in the same way? Yeah, I th actually I think it I, I think it affected Montrez more. I think it affected Montrez more than it affected me. Him being the bigger brother, and then you know, of course, how I don't know his perspective and what he's seen as far as how it affected you not being there for mama or, or you know. But I feel that he tried to take some kind of lead, which was in the wrong direction. But I, I, know, I think it affected, which I can't speak for Montreal, but me personally, I think it affected him more. Right, right, right. Okay. Now, this next question is from uh, Chantel and John. Uh, how did it affect you seeing, sitting in the courtroom listening to the evidence against me? How did it affect you personally, and how did it, how did it make you feel about me listening to that evidence? Chantel. I, you know, I remember coming to court, but for whatever reason, you know, I think that it's, it's more, that's more like a blur for me. Um, yeah. Because it just, it didn't feel real. And I, I feel like at that particular time, I was just like in total denial of what was actually going on and what I was hearing. Again, questioning who you were. Did I really know you? Because I'm, you, you just have to say, this is not the person that I know. This is not the person that I grew up with. This is not the brother, the friend that, you know, that I know and love. And so a lot of that was like really a blur. So I couldn't even really speak to what I was hearing because I, I just felt like, you know, I was just having a total out-of-body experience every day that I came yeah. to court. Yeah. What about you? Well, uh, for me, I remember uh, vividly because I went about every day. Well, I did go every day. Uh, me and my mother went most, well, me and mother went together for it. And then my, my grandmother even went a couple of days while she was visiting here. And then the stuff that we were hearing, well, we were saying like when we were on the way home, I, you know, I can't believe that he would do that. What went wrong? Uh, he wasn't raised like that. What happened for him to even, that even to come to mind? Then, and part of it, it, it was fear that uh, 
they may want you to be put to death, you know, for that. So there was worry on top of, I, I can't believe that he did it, but, you know, what if, you know, they tried to execute him for that. So it, it was a worry yeah. as well. As yeah, the, and, they, and I was on trial for death penalty, so it was a possibility but yeah. of that happening. Yeah, so I understand that too, right? I do. I understand that. Chantel, at what age did you explain to my niece and nephew about, you know, what I did and, and what did you say to them? Um, to be honest with you, I have not had like a total in-depth conversation with them regarding, they, they know that you're in prison. Um, they know that you're in prison for uh, armed robbery and murder or an accomplice to murder pretty much you know I just I've made it clear to them that you weren't the person you were involved but you weren't the person that actually killed the person but you were present and you took place in some of the things that went on but to be honest with you um you know the is 23 years old I haven't had a sit down and had a conversation they really haven't even asked I think because they were both so young coming to visit you in prison you know that was just you know some things when you don't know anything else they were just able to normalize it. And so I had it. Um, I don't know when I probably would just sit down and detail um, your your crimes to them. Um, for Deanne, you know, her being the age that she, she is, not a conversation that I would even attempt to have with Austin at this point. Um, you know, I just pray that, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, for our family, you know, we've had so many of our black men in our family to go to prison, you know, and I just pray every day that that generational curse does not fall on him. Right, right, right. I, I think it won't. I, I think it'll be just fine. <laughs> uh, Boo, let me ask you a question. Uh, tell me, how did incarceration change you? Your incarceration and how did, if you think me being incarcerated, what part of you do you think it changed? What what do you think you were denied by that? What do I think I was denied by coming to? What do you mean? Like, like okay, the first part of the question, I want you to answer, like, how did your incarceration, you being incarcerated, what did, did it change anything about you? It changed everything about me. You know, I lost a lot. Would you describe that? I lost I lost a lot of my personality. I lost a lot of my sense of humor. I lost a lot of, you know, that 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 fun adventurous side of me because incarceration uh orders you. It it, it demands you to put on a, a, a way tougher uh, exterior. Like you have to Yeah, you have to carry up and after you have become this person that you have to become and did it for a certain amount of years it become you become that and i was able to i was able to see that you know coming home over the four years that i've been home i've been like when i look at old pictures of me i can flash and see i'm not that part i don't have that part of me no more if i'm around certain people it's like me and auntie was talking about the other night sometimes i have to fight through social anxiety because even though i'm a social person i'm not that social butterfly that i used to be i'm way more uh observant i'm way more you know it's it's almost like if i had to describe it it's almost like i suffer from ptsd from being in prison uh so by the time by the time you know being 
being in the cell with you helped me a lot more because what, for what one it, it, it well for one you my daddy so the minute i walk in there that cell it's a sense of release regardless of what the nature of our relationship was or what conversations we have and hadn't had i walked into a cell with my daddy whether whether it didn't matter where we was at i walked into the the other half of my heart so so that was you know a sense of relief so by, but by the time i got to observe and watch you it wasn't like i was in prison i knew where i was at but i was more focused on uh the moment that i had the experience that i was trying to gain from this person that i did not know that i wanted to know so and then watching you do stuff like i was saying earlier you know your intelligence the writing the book you know the apps you were trying to do how you carried yourself your character your charisma with people like it was almost it was watching it was it was like me watching myself but it helped me mature more and be more confident in that part of me because i'm watching the person i got it from you know so by the time by the time i had read your book i was already tapping into you know because i i write music I, you know what i'm saying i wrote poetry before i was already and it just gave me that extra confidence and boost to say you know i can do that which of course my uncle squeaker uncle squeaker right you know what i'm saying we got writers in our yeah. family but it's different when it's different when you see your parent it's different you know what i'm saying it's different because i was still even though i was grown i still had become a sponge like a child in that cell you know what i'm saying watching your mannerism watching you know what i'm saying even all the way down to your hygiene you know all of that was uh something that i that i observed and watched which helped me a lot even after you had left it was um it was like it crushed me the way they separated us and moved us but i had to quickly uh <laughs> adjust because i knew where i was at and i just embraced the moment of everything that i had gained from you which the course of my life changed after that and for the for the better so yeah okay Okay, uh, and uh, Shannon, how did my incarceration, if it did, change you? Well, I've always said, you know, I tell people that, you know, I've never been incarcerated, never been to jail, but I don't, that it, it gave me the, the more sense that I never wanted to go. You know, it made me more uh, mindful of, you know, not breaking the law. And, you know, there was somewhat of an admiration that I grew to have with you because, you know, I could, I just never could understand how we could come visit you and you were always, you know, upbeat, you always had a smile on your face. And that to me built resilience in me to look at you in the situation that you were in and it was like, you know what, if he can smile on his, put a smile on his face in this situation, whether it was fake or not, because I'm sure sometimes it was, you know, but it was again, fake sometimes. It, it was fake, it was fake sometimes, <laughs> right, I know it was fake, but you still were able to do it. And so for right. me, it was a sense of resiliency and strength that it gave me and something that I've been able to take through, you know, take with me throughout my lifetime and just help me when I was just going through tough times to, you know, regardless of sometimes, you know, it just, it just pays to smile through your pain, you know what I'm saying? And knowing that you're going to come out 
on the other side. Right. Okay, what about you, Hawk? Okay, I wouldn't say that it, it changed me. It was a disappointment, but I, I thought, well, I tried to tell my nephews growing up, you know, you don't want to go to jail. You don't want to be locked up. Then the next generation, I would uh, try to instill in them that they didn't want to go there. And when we would go visit you or uh, some of the others, I was like, this is not a place that, that you want to want to be. Then, you know, when that happened, I, I was disappointed, you know, by that. So, you know, maybe I didn't still didn't do all I should you know, with them. So that was a, yeah. a disappointment also. No, you did. No, that's, that's, that's one thing I want to emphasize to families. You know, I know with my family, with y'all, it, it wasn't anything that y'all didn't do. I mean, y'all did everything that you were supposed to do. I made a bad decision, several of them. You know what I mean? It, it had nothing to do with uh, the, the way I was raised, uh, uh, by you, Granny, Grandmama, and all my aunties and uncles, it, it had nothing to do with that. I made a mistake, and it happened to be a costly mistake, and I and I hate the pains I caused my victims' family, but that was a mistake, and it had nothing to do with my upbringing. It was just me being stupid, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you can do everything you that uh, you're supposed to do, and 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 the person will still go the opposite way. Uh, I think that the way that I was raised has helped me to endure and and, 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 and persevere in these circumstances that I'm in, you know. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thank y'all for that, you know. But it, it wasn't anything that y'all uh, did that had anything to do with me doing what I did. And I, I've always, I remember having a conversation with Granny about mm -hmm. that, uh, and she asked me that, and I told her, I said, no, Granny, no, you did everything right. And, and I wasn't saying that to appease her. That was the truth. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not going to say something just to appease somebody. I'm not going to do that. And I was just telling her the truth. She did everything she was supposed to do. That was on me. You know, and I think a lot of times uh, people in my situation won't own up to that and won't admit that. It wasn't like my situation wasn't like booze. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, my daddy wasn't there, but all of y'all were. You feel what I'm saying? And I'm talking about very, very close. You know what I'm saying? And I think the boo situation was a little different. Y'all were there, but I think it was more more going on there. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, nah, y'all did what y'all were supposed to do. And, and this was and different, the different in the same household versus right, when you yeah. were in the house right, with right. us where he was not. Yeah. Right, he was right. There's a lot of things that was different. That's right. But I but I but I can really relate to what Unc is saying when it when he talks about the disappointment because I know like once they became a little older and I would bring them to visit you, it was like my main focus was, you know, I don't want you to be like your brother. I don't want this to be a place that you come to come to. And Boo and I have even had this conversation because I'm saying, you know, like what is it where did I go wrong with the two of you? You know, I felt like you know, I was preaching to them and I felt like bringing them to see you, in my mm -hmm. mind, it should have been enough to deter mm -hmm. them from wanting to go there because it was a deterrence for me. When I used to right. go visit daddy, I was like, shit, yeah, I don't want to come here. But, yeah, but you got to think about that. Granny did the same thing for us. We want to see daddy. Right. And it, and it, it actually it but it, it actually I had the reverse it actually had the reverse effect on it because I don't think that right. was because of the place my daddy was in at that time the mindset that he was in because right. at that time he hadn't presented who he is today 
you know what I'm saying? It was still a part of their life. And, and as a kid, that's what we more so glorified. Glorifying. Because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't uh we went to see somebody which I knew he he had most definitely took accept acceptance and responsibility at that time, but he was also uh, trying to survive in prison as well. And so he had to take yeah. on in, in, in on that role. But as kids, I'm looking at oh yeah, my daddy that. You know what I'm saying? And regardless of where, regardless of these barbed wire fences we're coming through and these locked doors and that and all the all of that. To me, yeah. even all even all the dramatics of hearing keys and doors and all of this stuff, you getting you gotta get searched and in a kid's mind, in some kids, man, it depends on the environment. My environment contribute to how I my perspective of even walking in them doors because of the music, the TV, the lifestyle, even before me coming to the prison. All of that's glorified. It just intensified it once I walk in and basically see uh, my daddy also the head huncho. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, man, I, I really regret during during that time when, when y'all would come to visit me, sometimes I regret. I was like, man, I need to go out here and just be crying and telling them how bad it is. And I, but it would have been phony. I would have been lying because like you say, I wasn't I wasn't presenting myself, you know what I'm saying, the way that I am now. You know, I was I was that dude, you know what I'm saying? I was that dude, and I was straddling the fence and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, and I think that was a bad example, you know what I mean? But And, it, and I do believe that it was, I'm partly responsible for what, you know, the, the, the path that you and, and Montrez took because of that. And I think that's another thing that I wish that people would be more mindful of. I don't know what to tell a parent in prison when it comes to, uh, setting the right example other than to set the right example, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's another side of prison where you have to survive. I'm not I'm not yeah. criticizing anybody, you know what I'm saying, that, do, that does what they do because I was there. I did all of that, you know what I mean? And I know how hard it is to survive in here. But you, you know, in doing that, in surviving this, you set a bad example for the ones behind you. And it's hard to, uh, in here, survive this environment and set the right example for your kids or for your family because the, the restrictions that you have to deal with in here, it's serious, it's real. Yeah. And when right. I say surviving, I'm talking about on a whole lot of different levels that the outside world that does no not idea. understand because you cannot relate to this. I don't want right. you to relate to this, but it this is not easy to survive financially, mentally, spiritually. And you're doing all of these things and trying to survive, and, and, and there are no real opportunities that help you navigate this. So all you do is you, you do what you see, and right. you try to navigate through this. The first time, you want to live, because right. it's a real threat in here to losing your life. You want to live, and then after you want to live, you want to eat. And however you do that, you do that. And it's not like you don't care about your family or your kids. It's not like that. Right. You, you do these things, and part of in, in the back of your mind, part of it say, "I'm doing these things because I love my kids. I want to get back to them. I want to do see, something for them because the opportunity is not there otherwise for you to do. You know what I mean? Right. For and the I'm most a, part. 
I'm gonna add something to that. It, it's a slippery slope to people. They they expect are oh, you in prison? You supposed to be setting this example to show people that you don't that you don't never want to come here and you, like you supposed to put on this sad face and cry and and put all this. Man, listen, it's a, like you were just saying. You don't understand the factors, and I can say that from a personal level now. Just because you presented that to me, I was a kid with a kid, man. That did not mean that and never looked at you as a bad person and man you a bad person that wasn't who you were i've i've been there i i understand to the fullest extent now people uh, that that, you know in higher places that sit in these courts and you don't got write-ups for this or write-ups for that and they look at it and try to say oh that behavior is contributed to the charge and he hasn't changed that's a lie that's a bold-faced lie because you have never been in prison you don't understand that like you just ain't no programs nothing presented for opportunities and this this and that so yeah i understand i can say i understand way more and not to make an excuse to say uh well you shouldn't have presented what you presented but i understand because you could have went in I, I, yeah go ahead go, now nah, go ahead go ahead no but that's why i say granny and grandmama and unc and every, all of y'all did the right things with me as far as right because if i would not have been raised the way that i was i would have came in here an animal i would have remained an animal and I would still be an animal but because of the way I remember one time granny came to see me at the county jail I don't know if y'all even know this but I remember granny came to see me at the county jail I think it was the one and only time that she came to see me at the county jail and I came downstairs I had I had some hurt in I'm bald-headed now so it, it is what it is but I had some hair at that time right and I had one side of my hair just up, and, and then the other side was braided, and I had a pick in it. And when I went downstairs, I sat in front of Granny. She looked at me, and she said, Boy, don't you ever come down here looking like that again. You are a baker, and you better act like it no matter where you're at. And I, to this day, I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. And the officer, I asked the officer to take me back upstairs. I went back upstairs. I cut my hair, well, cut it down, and came back down. Came back down because I knew I wasn't represented, and 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 the intensity of want not want to disappoint her again was all over me, and that's all over me today. And that's why, partly why I do the things that I do now. I know that there is an option, but look, let's keep it real. The majority of people do not have the type of family that I have the type of support that I have, the type of love that I have, the type of opportunities I have, they don't have that. They do not have that. The majority of people in here are really, really, really living off of less than 50 cents an hour. And it's hard in here. And people expect us, they, they say all of these things about us, and they say that we should be able to survive this and live like that and set the example and don't do this and don't do that. I wish it was that clear. I do. I wish it was that clear. You know, and I, like I say, if y'all got anything else to say or add to this, come on with it. Because I'm going to wrap this show up. I've really enjoyed talking to y'all on, on this. And I think that people will benefit from when, from this uh, session when they're here. Anybody got anything else they want to add? No. Nah, Hello? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You good, Chantel? Uh, I mean, I... You know, just sitting here and just, you know, listening to all of us. I think that we've all had these conversations separately with you. Uh, you know, I may have had a conversation with Boo and 
had conversations with Ankh and but you know, I think it's 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 powerful when we're able to sit and have, you know, this conversation like this and I feel like, you know, it's so much more to be said. But, you know, just hoping that, you know, it will have some type of positive impact, you know, on, you know, family members who, you know, are dealing with people that are incarcerated or even or even just, you know, the incarcerated. You know, I feel like you and Boo have both been, you know, awesome examples to people that, you know, are incarcerated or have been incarcerated that, you know, there is a life after incarceration that, you know, you don't have to just be stuck in the fact that I was incarcerated, you know, and, you know, that, you know, woe is me, you know, um, Boo has not used the excuse of what I could not do when I got out of prison, you know, he, he made his way. And, and I feel like, you know, I know that you would do the same, you know, is making your way once, you know, once you, you know, become free. And he is. And I just, you know, hope that, you know, as you all continue to do this and reach people that, you know, I feel like that you guys have been an inspiration. I know that you have been an inspiration to um, a lot of people. All right. And I for know, that, I'm right proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's how we're going to wrap this show up. I want to thank y'all uh, for taking the time out and sitting down and talking to me on this, this episode. And uh, I hope that we can do this again, you know, because I think there's a lot more that can be said about this topic. And uh, thank y'all again. Thank you for using GTL.